Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're back. We're back again. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. back. But I mean, that's <laughs> enough to get everyone excited. Is it, is it a surprise? We're, we're back. Not, were we not was, meant to be back? No, no, but just every now and then it's nice to remind people those two gays are back at it again, discussing more films. And speaking of gays... Got some uh, camp classics with a bit of uh, queer action in some of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, we have. <laughs> we okay. Well, I suppose we have to find representation where we can yeah, find. Yeah, we, we it, have a queer but, uh, icon at the center of two of these films, even if she is the villain. Do you think they'll be winning any Glad awards anytime soon? No. 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 Well, you may remember back on episode fifty-one, we discussed. The slasher classic that is Prom Night, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, and we also discussed its abysmal remake with Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. It was a real shame for him. I like um, And we're back today to discuss what happened in between those two films. Yeah, so we're here to discuss the sequels that kind of have not much to do with the original. Yeah, no, really. absolutely nothing at all to yeah. the original. Um, but well, no, there's one reference. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but you know that's not necessarily a bad thing, and a perfect example of this is our first film today, which is Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night Two, released in 1987, which was originally written and filmed as The Haunting of Hamilton High. The title was changed to Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night Two by the Samuel Goldwyn Company who purchased it and decided to market it as a sequel. The similarities to the original, such as the name of the school, and the line, it's not who you go with, it's who you take home, were actually entirely coincidental. I don't think they were coincidental. I'm assuming they were a reference to Prom, prom Night, not Prom Night, Prom Night, uh, to Prom Night. Was Prom Night a big enough film to get references to it? Like Jamie Lee. I know that Jamie Lee, but it must have had a. I swear, it had a cool following. Yeah, you know, um, they're all, if I remember correctly, Canadian slasher films. I think so. Um, so I'm assuming, it would have been within the realm of references. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly not the the biggest references slash, films that the film rips off. But it had to have been. I mean, it's, you know, okay, we'll call it a coincidence. I won't, I won't overanalyze yeah. it. Uh, directed <laughs> by Bruce Pittman, who made The Last Movie, No Alibi, Where the Spirit Lives, Mark of Cain, Blood Brothers, Harrison, Bergeron, and more. And written by Ron Oliver, who directed uh, Prom Night 3. Okay. I, I believe. I, I, yes, I'm, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Prom Night 3, uh, Fallen for Christmas. Yeah. Jolly Good Christmas. Nice. A Timeless Christmas. Wow. Hotel for the Holidays. Cool. Christmas at the Plaza. And many more, including The Housewives of the North Pole. Yes. Future podcast episode. Wow. Well, Housewives of the North Pole. Um... The phone number that Mary Lou writes on the confessional booth for a good time call uh, was actually Ron Oliver's home phone number and no one called him. Oh, that's a shit. Did no one want a good time? No one wanted a good time. Oh. 
Um, yeah, after filming was completed, the executive producer decided that the film didn't work and hired Ron Oliver to rewrite and reshoot several sequences for one week uh, and for $100,000. This included the climax of the locker room death scene, uh, the rocking horse with the tongue, <laughs> and the chalkboard whirlpool. Okay. Um, and this was all made on a budget of $2.5 million, and it made $2.7 million at the box office. Okay, it got it got sequel, so yeah. I mean, right. at the time, it was panned. One of the few positive reviews, uh, the LA Times called it the Blue Velvet of high school horror movies. Yeah, I don't get that. No, apart from the sort of fifties stylings, I don't. I I don't get that. No, no. This is very much a product of a post Nightmare on Elm Street world. Uh, because this is absolutely just ripping off Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, its biggest reference point is definitely a Nightmare on Elm Street slash the Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Yeah, which goes for this and Prom Night 3. Um, it's very much that sort of style uh, with a villain who quips and it's camp and... There's surrealism in like dreamlike sequences. It's very yeah, very nightmare on Elm Street, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. It really works. I think it's fine. I mean, if you were ripping off the original film, then it's it's just a plain old slasher. Yeah, uh, you know, at least sort of with a nightmare on Elm Street, you can bring in the absurd mm-hmm. into it, which I think actually really helps the film. Yeah, uh, it has gained a cult following. Over the years, uh, a lot of people love this film now, including Charlize Theron, uh, who said on the How Did This Get Made podcast, I've seen hardcore porn with less horniness than Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Right. I don't know what porn she's watching, but okay. <laughs> it's a very horny film. This, Well, I mean, I'd say the third one's more horny than this one. Uh, so maybe yeah. she's getting her sequels mixed up. <laughs> well, the, the third one, it's played for comedy, isn't it? Yeah. A lot. Uh, should we talk about who's in it? Of course, in a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Uh, first up, we have Michael Ironside, who plays Principal Bill Billy Norden. Uh, you may recall him from when we discussed Starship Troopers earlier this year. Yeah. He was in Total Recall, yeah. Scanners, Top Gun, Turbo Kid, X-Men First Class, and more. He's one of those guys where you're like, where do I know him from? And then you realise that you know him from everywhere. Yeah. The uh, the younger version of him, whoever they cast to play that role, must be related to him. Because he yeah. looked a lot like him. Yeah, he did actually. Sometimes they do well with these sort of things, don't they? Yeah, because I, I mean, for a second I thought, oh, you know, de-age him. No, it's, it was 1987. De-age him. No, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wendy Lyon plays Vicky Carpenter. She was in Regression, The Shape of Water, Warehouse 13, American Woman, TNT, The Campbells, Sailor Moon, Breach of Faith, A Family of Cops 2, and more. Yeah, I don't think she had a big role in The Shape of Water, did she? Well, I think she was role's a secretary. A role, you know? Yes, a role's a role. It's, it won the Best Picture of the Oscars, so. And, you know, I really enjoy her in this film, how she goes from giving nothing to uh, being a uh, a bad bitch who just wants some dick when she's possessed. You know? Well, she not just does some that dick. transition. Well, yeah. No, not just dick. She does that transition really well. She does do it very well, yes. 
Louis Ferreira plays Craig Nordham. He was in Naked Lunch, Bad Blood, Motive, SGU, Stargate Universe, Breaking Bad, Bates Motel, Saw 5 and 6, Dawn of the Dead remake, and more. Okay, nice. Um, I didn't really recognise his face, if I'm being honest. No. But that, that's some, you know, filmography there. Yeah, Richard Manette, he plays Father Buddy Cooper, and he is in Mania, and then there was one, One More, While My Pretty One Sleeps, The Good Fight, Murder by Night, The High Price of Passion, and more. Okay, yeah, never heard of them. But they they look like my kind of thing. The High Price of Passion definitely sounds like you'd enjoy it. Absolutely, on a Friday night. And finally, last but certainly not least... Lisa Scrage plays Mary Lou Maloney, and she was in The Twilight Zone, China White, Tropical Heat, The Sentinel, Shadow Warriors 2, Hunt for the Death Merchant, and more, including Food of the Gods 2. (laughs) Now, if anyone's wondering why I'm pointing that one out specifically, it's the one with the giant child in his bedroom who tells people to get the fuck out of his room. Yes. It's that one. Yeah. But was it important videos, the playlist yeah. on YouTube? Yes. So speaking of future podcast films. Yes. Yeah, that should be. That and the first film. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, let's get to our first feature presentation. I've been seeing things. Hallucinations about Mary Lou Maloney. That girl who died in our school. Mary Lou Maloney is back for the prom. And she's going to make sure it's a night you'll never want to remember. Hello, Mary Lou. Prom Night 2. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers for showtimes. In 1957, accompanied by doo-wop music, 17-year-old... Oh, no, not just yet, but usually in these films it starts with doo-wop music. Oh my god, all three, <laughs> three of the films are obsessed with that 50s doo-wop style music 17 year old Mary Lou Maloney confesses her various sins to a priest en route to a senior prom uh, which includes having sex with numerous boys she, the priest says my child these are great sins you must prepare yourself for the consequences and she says father there's one more thing I loved every single minute of it and from this point on, she's like, okay, I'm fully on her side. I don't care who she kills. Yeah. She is the sort of bad bitch I want at the centre of my slasher film. And this is where she writes in the confessional booth. I don't know what the real word for it is. Uh, for a good time, call Mary Lou. Yeah. <laughs> um, The choir at the beginning, I thought it sounded like they were singing part of It's Raining Men. I'm hopefully. I'm I'm hoping it is. If anyone else heard that, then you got good ears, or you've got bad ears like me. <laughs> it, it would match the camp value in the film if that's what's happening. I love a female villain in a film. I really do. Uh, when it's done right, it's incredible, and I really think Mary Lou is easily one of my favorite horror villains. She's just so fucking camp, and she's the best thing about both of these first two sequels. Absolutely, I completely agree. Uh, she arrives at the prom at Hamilton High School, which she attends with wealthy but unpopular Billy Nordham, who gives her a ring with her initials on it. Aww. 
Shortly after receiving Billy's ring, Mary Lou sends him off to get punch while she sneaks backstage with Buddy Cooper, <gasps> where the two are found making out by Billy. Oh, Buddy. And he says, you came with me. And she says, it's not who you come with, it's who you take home. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to get too much into it again, but that's, uh, for me, that's definitely a it's reference a very specific to the line. first film. <laughs> it's definitely a reference. He knew what he was doing. It works perfectly. It's a great line. So great. We hear it again. <laughs> yes. Storming off after Mary Lou claims she used him, Billy overhears two boys preparing a stink bomb. <clears throat> and when the boys abandon the bomb in the trash due to a teacher approaching, Billy grabs it. When Mary Lou is crowned prom queen, Billy, having snuck up onto the catwalk, yes. drops the bomb on her before she is crowned. Billy on the catwalk. <clears throat> Everywhere. Well, would you say this is the best catwalk moment in this franchise? Uh, yes. Better than a decapitation in the first film. Oh. Um. <laughs> no. I'm going to say no. Because this is obviously a Carrie ripoff. This is a Carrie ripoff. But it's legendary in Carrie, so you've got to yeah. give it props for that. <clears throat> yeah, this is definitely the love child of Carrie and Nightmare on Elm Street definitely. 2. Specifically, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, mm. I'm going to say. Um, to the horror of Billy and everyone in attendance, the fuse of the bomb ignites Mary Lou's dress and she burns to death on stage, but not before looking up and seeing that Billy is the one responsible. It is high camp. It is high camp. It, it is. It's given us carry, and I also didn't realize that stink bombs were so big, um, so lethal. <laughs> and looks well. It looks like dynamite, and you have to set it alight. I was yeah. like, I didn't think that's what stink bombs. Were. Yeah. Uh, Thirty years. So she's later. not really the villain. No, I mean she's a victim, and she's getting her revenge. She is, but she does kind of get revenge on the wrong people. Well. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's kind of like one specific person she should be getting and she kind of leaves that right to the end yeah 30 years later student Vicky Carpenter is looking for a prom dress in the school prop room after being denied a new dress by her overly religious mother um, her mum very much Margaret White definitely um, looking like a de-yassified Mary Poppins she is yeah um, and she also says about her daughter some punk on a motorcycle and she jumped for him. I mean, I'm not sure that's her only type. I mean, <laughs> Billy's now the principal of Hamilton High because, you know, straight white men get away with everything. And his son, <laughs> Craig, is Vicky's boyfriend. Uh, but According yeah, I mean. According to. Uh, what was his name? Craig? Yeah. Did I just make that up? No, Craig. Craig. According to Craig, Vicky is a shoe-in for prom queen. Yes. Isn't she? She is. Um, Billy being the principal of the high school, do you think it was trying to say something? The fact that he, you know, did that, got away with it, got such yeah. a high position in school? Uh, yeah. No, I, no, I don't think it was. No? That. I think it was convenient to the plot of the oh, film. Okay. Because we had to have it take place in the high school. Well... <laughs> I I think we could read it that way, and I think it definitely could mean something if yeah. that's how we want to I think, look at it. But I don't think it was really talking about the patriarchy. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see this as an iconic feminist film, but yeah. Um, 
I've got some dialogue here just completely out of place. So someone said this will be inserted into the annals of scientific history, Ooh. and I think we all know how painful that can be. <laughs> this is during science class, isn't it? Yeah. So during science class, um, her best friend Monica declares herself a great beauty, which she is, and wonders why no guys are asking her out before proceeding to rudely dismiss a classmate who invites <laughs> her to meet up after school. <laughs> Uh, Kelly, 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 good old Kelly, a clearly jealous classmate of Vicky's, is discussing her prom dress to her friends. There she is. Making sure <laughs> Vicky overhears just how amazing it is. Spanish influenced, red and red with large black polka dots. The same dress that Miss Taylor wore to the Oscars, <laughs> which. I know but my followed by, Taylor. Followed by, I'm going to look so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I know my Elizabeth Taylor, and she didn't wear a red <laughs> with black polka dots dress. <laughs> what it actually ends up looking like is Madonna's dress from the La Isla Bonita music video. Yeah. So I'm still slayed. Yeah. Just don't, don't bring Miss Taylor into this. Don't bring Liz into this. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the fact that Kelly is the bitch that we're all supposed to hate, but even she's fucking a bit of a queen, let's be honest. She is. She is a queen. And I felt like she was played by somebody I recognised, mm. but I don't think she was. The woman who played Daphne in Frasier, that's what she kind of looked like. Yeah, she's got a very specific voice. Yeah. But, yeah. But no, no it wasn't no. her. It wasn't? No. It wasn't? I'm sorry. While searching for a prom dress, uh, Vicky finds an old trunk containing Mary Lou's prom queen accessories. <laughs> Jaws and accessories by Mary Lou. <laughs> uh, and takes them, releasing Mary Lou's spirit in the process. This causes a class photo in a frame to smash on Mary Lou's face in Billy's office. Um, Mary Lou looked very much inserted into that photo. She did, yeah. <laughs> she just, it does stick out like a sore thumb. Um, why have they kept her accessories in a trunk? I mean, why wouldn't you? Have you seen them? But why wouldn't her family want them? Like, Well, yeah. <laughs> I've just murdered... I, I literally just murdered your daughter. Can I keep her uh, tiara? <laughs> <laughs> uh, after Vicky leaves Mary Lou's clothes in the art room after school, Vicky's friend Jess, uh, an alternative type, a depressed alternative type. Yes. Uh, she finds them. And after wedging a jewel out of the crown, she's attacked by an unseen force and hung from a light by Mary Lou's cape. <laughs> Which is, again, high camp. The fact that she's so pissed off because she knocked a jewel out of her crown, so she murders her. Yeah, I'm surprised the cape could get over her massive <laughs> hair. It's true. It's giving... Well, it's giving pure 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Very high, very what what they what do they call it? Backcombed. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Where it's it, it's frizzarous mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um yeah, we hardly knew thee and it's a shame really. I, I would have liked to have seen more of Jess. The uh I'm assuming, I'm assuming cure super fan. Yeah. Jess. I think so. Uh, her death is deemed a suicide, caused by her despair over a recent discovery that she was pregnant. Yeah, um, I don't believe that. She was reading this queer to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. She, she I, definitely had a thing for I Vicky. I felt like she had a thing for Vicky, but, you know, it was the 80s, so nothing like that. 
Well, what? I mean, this film kind of says otherwise later on. <laughs> Only if it includes nudity. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, at her funeral, which takes place immediately, uh, the priest, with his dodgy acting choices, provides a speech about how the world is full of violence on a day-to-day basis, including on our TV sets. This is well into the Video Nasties era, right? Um. Yes. Yeah. So the uh, good old MPAA... Yeah, putting. this is also around a time when they were butchering films at the MPAA, um, yeah. and even Prom Night 3 has a little reference to this as well. Yeah. At times. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the film suffers too much for it. No. I think if you, if you go, because this is in many ways a bit of a comedy as well, Yeah. Um, I think you can kind of get away with a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, in both ways, it can be a little gorier, but also the, the gore isn't the main event when it comes no. to, to the, like the comedic films. At school, Vicky and some other students, including Vicky's bully Kelly, of course, Hen- Ken- Kelly Henenlotter, um, named, I assume, after Frank Henenlotter? Yeah, I think there's obviously a pattern emerging here yeah. where the surnames are... From famous film director, horror film director specifically. Uh, They're standing near a prom display and they're having a bit of a discussion. The man Kelly's waves like, looks pretty well hung to me. And uh, Kelly says, don't touch the queen. And uh, Vicky's friend, what's her name again? Oh God, was it Megan? I feel like she looked like a Megan, but it may not. Monica. Monica. She's like, uh, he'd be the first who didn't touch the queen. (gasps) And uh, Kelly's like, the competition seems to be dwindling. You two should take the hint from Jess. And it with some iconic delivery. Vicky says, you shut your fucking mouth, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She goes from being like this mousy, quiet girl who doesn't say a fucking thing throughout the entire film to all of a sudden bouting that line out and just shouting it in Kelly's face. And it's... Amazing! It is the one thing that stuck with me from this film. It, it's true. It, the delivery is spot on, and this is obviously Mary Lou starting to take over yeah. Vicky's body. Uh, after after uh, this conversation, Vicky finds herself plagued by nightmarish hallucinations, including one in gym class where Kelly knocks her out of a ball. <laughs> her mother thinks Vicky needs to spend more time with the Lord. I was a little confused by that. So, what did she hallucinate that she was hit by the volleyball? No, so she got hit by the volleyball and knocked her out, and then her hallucination began. Yeah, so I was confused by this because she returns home and everyone's like, oh, she fainted. And she even says herself that she yeah. fainted. And it's like, no, she didn't. She got smacked <laughs> in the face. You know, she might have a fucking concussion for God's sake. And, and she herself, Vicky says, oh, I might have the flu. Like, did no one else see her get smacked square in the face? Um, yeah, these hallucinations. The, there's one in the cafeteria as well, where she sees a face in the, yeah. you know, uh, rancid cafeteria food. Um, it's 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 a nightmare on Elm Street. It is. It, it is. It's surprising that this was the same year as Part. Three. Yeah, because that's pretty much what Nightmare on Elm Street went on to do. Yeah, so it's very it's close to onwards. four and five and yeah. not so much six. But that kind of, you know, humour. 
Yeah. The, the weird, you know, humour and... Yeah, there's definitely feels... cafeteria yeah. food shit. It feels like an MTV horror film. Yes. Yes, um, definitely. Definitely a, a great example of what I was like. This has the same tone as part four. Yeah. Which was like a year after this. So it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Vicky, <laughs> but the majority of the music's like old school, yeah, yeah, like an eighties song Do thrown what? in here and there, yeah. like, randomly. Vicky confides in Buddy, who is now a priest. Buddy, after hearing Vicky's stories, believes that Mary Lou may be back. <gasps> when Vicky goes home, her bed sheets hold her down on in a bizarre series of events. Her bed sheets hold her down onto the bed. Her mirror turns to water. And her rocking horse starts winking and sticking its tongue out at her. <laughs> and it goes grows to an extreme size. It does. Because yes. I didn't realise it grew. And I was like, was it always that big? I'm like, <laughs> that's crazy having that in your, in your bedroom. Yeah. Uh, really great scene. Again, adds to the weirdness of it all. Um, and the humour. Yeah. The weird. The, the, the kind of um, strange humour. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Evil Dead Two <laughs> cabin going crazy humor. Yeah, yeah, and, and irreverent yeah. humor. That's the word. That's the word I'm looking for. Going to Mary Lou's grave, where his Bible bursts into flames. Buddy afterward tries to warn Billy. During a detention caused by slapping Kelly because she asks her if she's cracking up. Yeah, v- Vicky is dragged into the classroom chalkboard, which turns to liquid. Yeah, so Buddy also tries to perform some sort of exorcism. Yeah. But, like, exercising what, I don't know. Because he's just kind of... Like, isn't someone meant to be there? Yes. Perform an exorcism? He's talking to himself. Well, he's the first person on her visit list once she's fully possessed by Mary Lou. Mm -hmm. She goes to church and she says, Will you help me, Father? Will you fuck me? Come on, Father, it's a big free country. Yeah. She then reveals her identity to him and kills him by stabbing him in the face with a crucifix. And she says, come on, father, there's no God, no heaven. And do you know what pissed me off the most? No fucking wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming she means angel wings and not chicken wings. Uh, it's the 80s. She probably <laughs> meant chicken wings. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> but oh my god, that line delivery and this scene, the death scene, everything about it is just oh, everything I love about Camp 80's horror. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely high on the campometer. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, you can see why it's got its resurgence now, considering what a lot of people seem to love now within you know when it comes to court horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if this was made nowadays, it wouldn't look out of place. No. I suppose it got a similar backlash to what the Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, films absolutely. received. Absolutely. And... Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Meanwhile, Vicky's new mannerisms and style of dress around um, arouse the concern of Vicky's friend, Monica. To which she says... She looks like she's in... Like, wow. Who... I think her new guy says... She looks like she's in a fashion coma. And Monica says she talks like she's in an Elvis movie. <laughs> I'm a bit confused because the clothes aren't that out there. She's got like, a... Her outfit is awful in this scene. It is awful, <laughs> but I mean, a lot of the outfits are awful. Yeah, no, this, this just looks like she's in one of her normal outfits. But she's wearing a cream sweater and a long skirt. Yeah. 
And her, her hair's still fucking crimped, for God's <laughs> sake. You know, she can't be that into the 50s if her fucking hair's still crimped. Yeah. I fucking... I, I, don't, I don't understand crimped hair. No. And it, obviously it was all the rage, and you see it every so often now. But I just... I've never thought it was a good look. Did you? No, not particularly. <laughs> I never... Like, oh. I'd rather the big backcombed hair than, like, crimped hair. Well, after an argument in the girls' locker room, Vicky tries kissing Monica in the shower, and Monica is frightened into hiding from her in the locker. Um, yeah. So director Bruce Pittman added in and admitted in an interview that the scene with Wendy Lyon in the shower and walking around nude in the locker room was purely gratuitous. Yeah. To no one's surprise. Uh, he said the script originally had her and actress Beverly Henry wearing towels but he felt the scene would have more of an impact if they were both naked. Henry was hesitant, but agreed only if they shot her from the back and side, and she insisted on wearing a towel whilst being chased. When Pittman discussed it with Lyon, she said, let's do it. It was her first and only career nude scene, um, but he said she was a real pro about it, even though she had to spend two days of being shot fully nude from every angle in front of a mostly male crew. Yeah, it's... 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 Clearly gratuitous. Yeah. It really is. But it's also kind of a slay. It's an absolute well. slay. Like, she, she's a badass bitch. She is. This, this is, is you know, Mary Lou's coming out scene as well. Like Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I mean, this is where we find out she's not just a sex-positive icon, but she's also a sex-positive bisexual icon. Yeah, which I'm sure wasn't the intent in 1987. But no. obviously, you know, in modern times, we read things differently. And we're like, yes, queen. Yeah. Fucking get her, you yeah. know? <laughs> and you look amazing doing it uh-huh. as well. Even with crimped hair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gave her a kind of Lady Godiva look. Um, it did. Scene. It did. It was giving... Um... Faith from Steps, Lady Godiva. Yeah. But... <laughs> Stop. That's a deep cut <laughs> reference there. No one's fucking heard of that. Just Google it, then you'll see Jesus what I mean. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, and it's a bit like the faculty. Yeah. As well, when she's, you know, the aliens going around nude in the, in the locker, killing people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of a slay, I mean, to be it honest. Is. It was giving me life. This entire series was giving me life. Um, I thought for a second that Monica was going to go along with it. Yeah. Maybe. Like, yeah. I thought, oh my God, okay. Uh, is this, are we actually it getting... Jess. We were yeah, wow, yeah. Uh, but no, Monica runs away. She hides in her locker. And Vicky crushes her. <laughs> she makes the locker collapse in on her. Uh, after scratching her nails along the other lockers... Full Freddy Krueger style and singing some do what music. Which she goes, what bobaloobop, a what bam crush. <laughs> and the blood is hilarious. It literally just looks like salsa as she's being it poured. Does. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks, yeah, like um... bean salsa. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like gone off Vimto. Yeah. <laughs> like brains, like yeah. that colour. Uh, after Monica's murder, Vicky seduces Craig and lures him away under the, pre- the pretense of having sex, <gasps> only to knock him unconscious and afterwards confront and taunt Billy, revealing her identity to him. Uh, Michael Ironside completely plays this straight. He the does. Whole time. Like, everyone God. else has got a bit of a camp edge to Yeah. Him, but he is like acting here. He's like, I'm, I'm really going to give him my best. <laughs> you have to. It does help to have yeah. somebody taking it seriously. 
Um, famously, and it, it, it's a completely random film, but it's reminded me of this fact. Uh, Michael Caine agreed to uh, play Scrooge in A Muppet's Christmas Carol mm-hmm. only if he could play it 100% yeah. straight and it, it's so much better for it. Uh-huh. And it's it's same here. You have to have yeah. that one guy who's playing it straight yeah. and the re- that makes the rest of it so much funnier and mm-hmm. sillier and camper and you yeah. know, all that good stuff. No, definitely. Uh, what's the opposite of exploitation because I feel like Michael Ironside's doing that here in the same way that Leslie Nelson did it in the first film and uh, the Fonz did it in Scream where you have a random older actor who just appears randomly in a small part in a film in a horror film oh I like I feel like there's got to be a category for it there's like some a male sort of, version a male version I suppose- yeah I suppose exploitation is based on women becoming grotesque as they yeah, grow exactly. older. And I think it says a lot about Hollywood that when men do this, they're just playing uh, like an the, authority character. Yeah, yeah, like aging men get yeah. these authority roles. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there is a word for no. that because it's just men getting roles in films. There should be. Because, <laughs> there should be a word for it because it's definitely a pattern. Yeah, because there's always a random famous older actor. Would Michael Ironside be? Would this be like a cameo type of thing? Obviously, it's much longer than that. Yeah, I feel like he. But would goes... you consider it? Was Michael Ironside famous enough for that? Was, was this after Scanners? Uh, yeah, probably. But Scanners wasn't a huge film. No, but he's in the famous scene, like the one scene that everyone knows from that film. That whether they've seen it or not, yeah, he's a big part of that. Yeah, I suppose. I think this is where it becomes a little. Um, we become a little biased because we obviously are cult film fanatics. Yeah. So we we're sat here and we're like, oh my god, Barbara Crampton. A-lister. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? And obviously we love her, but if you walk down the street and say, what's your favourite Barbara Crampton film? I don't think many people would be able to answer. <laughs> no, they'd say Rebel Wars. Well, they would say Prince Belair, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I suppose this is before Total Recall as well, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is probably just a role for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas if it was a woman, she would grotesque yeah of course <laughs> finding the injured craig billy takes him home and knocks him back out when craig tries to go after vicky when craig uh with craig unconscious billy digs up mary lou's grave and finds a dead buddy in the coffin oh no which one was buddy the priest <laughs> <laughs> the priest that she got off with oh you know. yeah of course Meanwhile, Vicky's mother, Virginia, finds Vicky seducing her father. Her dad's like, you'll remember tonight for her forever. And she's like, I hope so. Hold me, daddy. And Virginia bursts in. She's like, Jezebel, heartlet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Horrified, she attempts to stop her from leaving for prom, only to be telekinetically smashed through the front door. (laughs) Excuse me. The farmer and her mother's crazy. I would say any other film I'd say odd choice to do this. This is hilarious though. 
It, it, it is. It, again, it's, it's your reference to Carrie. It's, it's not quite pulled off as well as Carrie this... Uh, no. Oh, excuse me. I feel like it's almost poking fun. Yeah. At this point. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was high cap. Someone tries to call her and uh, there's a voicemail message that says, Hi, Mary Lou here. I can't come to the phone right now because I'm at the prom. People to kill, places to be. Vicky can't come to the phone right now because she doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And I believe that's what uh, inspired Taylor Swift for "Look What You Made Me Do." Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I could. I think. Um, what's her name? Taylor Swift mm. has crimped her hair a million times. What's her name? What's her name? <laughs> Taylor from down the road. It's been a long day. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's not Taylor, is it? Is it or Taylor? No, what's her name? <laughs> that video. Which, that, it's oh, not Ash- Taylor. It's Ashley. Ashley. It's, it's Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> No, it's just Ashley. <laughs> Vicky, no, it's just Mary Lou. It's just Mary Lou. <laughs> Arriving at the prom whilst outside in the city by Partland Brothers plays. Vicky enjoys the festivities with, whilst Kelly, in order to become prom queen, sucks off the tally counter and Monica's new boyfriend, Josh, as a bribe. We, I mean, you know. <laughs> Do we say sucks off? <laughs> Do people realise what sucks off means? She gives him blowy. Yeah, performs fellatio. Yeah. Oh, God. Again, you know, a queen who gets what she wants. Um, um yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe he gets a... what he deserves. Yeah. Oh, that's true, actually. No, and I don't mean the blowy. No. No. Uh, it's actually in this next scene. When Josh changes the outcome of the votes to make Kelly the winner, Vicky electrocutes Josh through his computer and changes the outcome. When Kelly returns to her boyfriend, um, they kiss. He, t- he asks her, "What does she, does she have a spare mint? Because her breath smells so great." <laughs> there we go. Um, when when she is crowned prom queen, Vicky goes up on stage, but is surprisingly shot by Billy. Yeah. <laughs> moments before getting her crown to the horror of the crowd. Yeah, completely out of nowhere. <laughs> when it's revealed um, that Vicky's won, somebody yells to Kelly, say, hey, Kelly, how did you blow it? <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. That's the, I think that's the level of humour yeah. we're looking at here, yeah. which I appreciate. Uh, arriving after the shooting and approaching what appears to be the dying Vicky, Craig is knocked back when Vicky morphs into the charred corpse of Mary Lou. She's fucking back. She is. She's back. She's back and she's burnt like Freddy Krueger. And the makeup looks great. Hmm. Yeah, it looks, it looks so right. Earlier in the film, it didn't... Oh no, it's that part three. Part three. Part three is the one where it looks like they've been. Uh, in the within the havoc, uh, which is for Carrie now, uh, Kelly is stabbed and apparently killed by a fallen light fixture, and Craig is chased into the school prop room by Mary Lou, who opens a vortex to the <gasps> underworld that begins to suck Craig in. A lot of sucking going on at that school. The uh, uh, underworld. That was the first one. The knicker factory from Coronation <laughs> Street, right? Yeah. The. Um... The place where you go to get all the best underwear and you might meet Sally Webster. Before Craig is pulled through the gateway, Billy... Excuse me. 
Billy arrives and places the crown on Mary Lou and kisses her, making her gravestone explode and apparently appeasing her spirit, which vanishes, releasing Vicky. Oh, it seems a little condescending, isn't it? Yeah. You know, how do we defeat this evil spiritual woman entity that's come back to kill everyone? I'll just give her a little crown and a kiss. Wow. <laughs> it's all... Do you, do you know what I mean? That's... Like, the woman female killer in a slasher film, and obviously... Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's like, oh, really? At this point, it yeah. Works? At, at this point, it's very much the whole, the kiss of a good heterosexual kiss is what solves the problem. <laughs> yeah. Just like Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That is true. But it does not solve the problem. No. They think Mary Lou's gone. So Vicky and Craig leave with Billy, getting into his car. When Billy turns on the radio, the Ronnie Hawkins 1959 hit song, Mary Lou Plays... Revealing he's wearing Mary Lou's ring and apparently possessed by her, he says, Hey kids, they're playing my song. Let's cruise. <laughs> and he drives off with a terrified Vicky and Craig. And yeah. that is And the Ronnie film. Blakely gets sucked through a door. <laughs> oh wait, no, sorry. That's her Hello Mary Lou prom night two. That is Hello Mary Lou prom night number two. For me, I think it is just as good as the first film. And I think if the first film didn't have Jamie Lee Curtis disco dancing, I may have said it's better. Yeah, there's a lot of unintentional camp, I think, in the original. And this has a lot of intentional camp, I feel. And and age is always going to be, you know, a a factor in camp levels. You know, I'm sure they they thought the prom dresses were beautiful back in 1987. (laughs) Um. But yeah, this successfully makes a horror comedy. Yeah. That still remembers to be a horror, but it's also funny and silly and mm-hmm. entertaining. Remember that? Yeah. For entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just as good as the, the first one. Yeah, absolutely. So for my rating, I'll give it eight blowy bribes out of ten. <laughs> I give it seven crimped wigs out of ten. Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash of basic. I mean, it's a masterpiece of camp fun. Yeah, I f- I feel I feel like we need something. There's something there. There's missing. a there's a fun, <laughs> if anybody has any suggestions of something that's not quite a masterpiece, but we don't really you know if we said oh it's very good that's a bit boring isn't it we need something yeah. funny yeah um so if anyone can think of anything a funny little quip we can have. For a film that's very good, but obviously not a masterpiece, <laughs> then please let us know. Uh, it's available on video on demand and free V. Ooh. It is yet to have a physical media release in the UK, or a Blu-ray release anyway. And it's very overdue. If anyone from 88 Films yeah. or 101 Films is listening. This is definitely an 88 Films kind of deal. I think it's a 101 Films Well, they did the deal. first film, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's a 101 Films kind of thing. Mm. I think a nice little box set with all the films. Yeah. This would be nice. Uh-huh. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Jennifer's Body. Nice. Good choice. Um, I said if you enjoyed this, check out Carrie if you want to see the film it appears to be parodying. Or A Nightmare on Elm Street if you want to see the film it appears to be ripping yeah. off. Next up, we have Prom Night Free, The Last Kiss, released in 1990. I forgot it was The Last Kiss, <laughs> 
<laughs> Fucking stupid title. What the, f- <laughs> the Last Kiss? What the fuck? Uh, yeah, I don't know why it's called The Last it's Kiss. Like... Other than the fact that there's a song in there called The Last Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Make a reference to Mary Lou again, you dickheads. Um, realise how shit that title is. Yeah, a film financed by Live Entertainment, owned by um, Jose Menendez. The first day before production was to commence, writer-director Ron Oliver went to dinner with the Menendez family, including brothers Eric and Lyle. The following Monday, Ron learned production had been delayed due to the murders of Jose and Kitty Menendez. The filming was pushed back by two weeks. And they were killed by um, the sons. Yeah. Not not the one that produced it, but mm. the, the, the other two whose names I can't remember. Yeah. Even though you've literally just said their names. <laughs> um, but yeah, but they were killed by them yeah. for, for, for their money, essentially. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so born from a dark place. Um, it, but yeah, it is, yeah. But yes, uh, Ron Oliver's back, and this time he's directing as well as writing. Oh. And uh, he wrote the screenplays for... Uh, Prom Night 2, of course. Uh, both scripts were written around the same time before either had gone into production in hopes that the first one would do well enough to warrant a sequel. So this is going to be The Haunting of Hamilton High, part two. Oh, okay. Can I just say something? The Haunting of Hamilton High? Yeah. Shit name. Shit name. Shit name. Yeah, I'm glad I got Prom Night 2. Yeah. I, I wish I'd just called it Hello, Mary Lou. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Hello, Mary Lou. Would have worked. Yeah, could have called us Hello Again, Mary Lou. Hello Again. Like, just just Return of Mary Lou. Just anything like that, you know. It's better than Last Kiss. Um, Co-directed... Wouldn't they just call it Mary Lou 2? Yeah. Mary Lou 2. Co-directed by Peter R. Simpson. This is the only film he directed. And he was the producer of Woodby Kings, Almost Heaven, The Marsh, Succubus... Darkness Falling, Fancy Dancing, Grizzly Falls, and more. Uh, unknown budget and gross. It was uh, seemingly only released theatrically in Canada and straight to video elsewhere. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it's given straight to video the house down boots. It definitely. Is. Yeah. Absolutely. Should we talk about who's in this one? Oh, yes. In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Part two. Picking the Part two. Uh, hey, I Know Lou. Um, do you? Well, you should, because Courtney Taylor, who plays Mary Lou Maloney, was in Camp Blood. Hey! Previous podcast film, Camp Blood. Wow. Um, yeah. What what a real shame for her. Bless her. Bless her heart. She was also in Cover Me, My Secret Identity, Counter-Strike, Blue Heat, The Case of the Cover Girl Murders, Tracks uh, Tracks of a Killer, Silk Stalkins, and more. She's in many films. Just looking now, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've got it, her filmography up on my iPad. And she's in a number of films that I really want to fucking watch. Yeah. It's, it's given me erotic thriller. Uh-huh. It's given me, you know, cheapo TV movie. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Absolutely. I'm here for it. Um, Lisa Scrage who played Mary Lou in part two, said she was never contacted to reprise her role in this film, despite critical praise for her performance. And it was only two years as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a shame. Very strange. But they both do a really great job, though. Tim Conlon plays Alex Gray. 
He was in Angels in the Outfield, Ocean's 13, Pushing Daisies, Psych, Feud, Betty and Joan, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Ooh. Scrubs, and more. Starship Troopers 2? Oh. he was in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, he does a good job, um, kind of. He plays an unlikable character. Um, makes him unlikable, I guess. Yeah, it's it's difficult when I dislike the character so yeah. much. It's really, I, I don't know. Yeah, can I mean, we really critique these kind of films no, for the performances? No. Like, it is what it is. Cynthia Preston plays Sarah Monroe, and she was in Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, American Gods, Whale Music, The Legend of Zelda TV series, Ooh. the Carrie remake, Good Witch, and more. She was also in Madonna, Innocence Lost, Ooh. which appears to be a TV movie. What? Of the life of... Yeah. Shut up. Pop singer and actress Madonna's rise to fame is chronicled in this made-for-television <gasps> movie. How the fuck have we not How seen this? How did we not know? We did a whole episode on Madonna. Existed. And this wasn't included. Well, as an actress. Yeah, but I mean, that definitely should have been. It definitely wow. should have been. Yeah. She doesn't play Madonna. I'm watching that ASAP. Yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, wow. And finally, Dave Stratton plays Shane Taylor. And he was in Things to Do in Denver, When You're Dead, Valley of the Dolls TV series, The Freshman, Forever Night, and many more, including, of course, you can't go all these films without it, Murder, She Wrote. Yay. Um, I didn't know there was a Valley of the Dolls TV yeah. series. Uh-huh. Wow, Dave. So, let's talk about our second feature presentation. Those kind of girls, you just fool around with them once, they turn on you, they rip your heart out, show it to you, then they dance all over it with their spike heels and ram it down your throat. Well, what about our relationship? What relationship? You kill them, I marry them in the football field. This is not your basic boy meets girl here. No, that's it, it's over. Alex! But even hell hath no fury like Mary Lou Maloney. And on prom night, Alex Gray will learn breaking up is hard to do. Prom night three, The Last Kiss, a romantic comedy from hell. Women. So, we start in hell. We do. Literally. <laughs> kind of. Uh, she's trapped in hell, our murderous prom queen, Mary Lou Maloney, uh, who, of course, burned to death in 1957. And she manages to escape her chains by severing them with a nail file. Yes. <laughs> um, hell appears to be women being forced to do a lackluster can-can dance in their <laughs> underwear and laddered tights. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the depiction of hell. Uh -huh. And of course, Mary Lou was far too good for that. She, so. yeah, where she got the nail file from, who knows? But she, <laughs> she's got it, and she gets free from hell. Apparently, you know, it's as easy as that. And immediately, you know, the film starts in hell. I mean, ambitious. <laughs> well, if, if it was like. A actual depiction of hell that wasn't just well, kind of a random room. The idea, the idea, and where this film goes, it's hard to believe we've gone from 
Jamie Lee disco dance into this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very far removed from the original. Uh, return to a place of death, Hamilton High School. Mary Lou kills the school janitor, who also happens to be one of her many former boyfriends, Jack Roswell, by electrocuting him with a jukebox to the point that his pacemaker bursts from his chest. And she says, Mama said I'd be a heartbreaker. <laughs> this is pure Freddy Krueger. The bitch now. is back. This is, this is, you know, gone full. I mean, this is 1990. So yeah. we're yeah. past part four and five of uh-huh. Nightmare on Elm Street. And it definitely shows because she's got a quippy one line out for everything. She has. She has. The day after Jack's death, Principal Weatherall officially opens Hamilton High's recently reconstructed gymnasium, accidentally severing one of his own fingers whilst cutting the ribbon with a pair of scissors. I shit you not, he literally uses a pair of scissors to cut his finger off. They must be the sharpest pair of scissors (laughs) in the history of mankind. Because it's not like he really goes for no, it either. No. It's just like a normal snip. It's completely out of nowhere. <laughs> His finger just goes <laughs> flying. Uh, this act prompts an unseen force to wreak havoc uh, through the gym with powerful winds. Okay, when do that so is. yeah. So you know when a dog pissed and it brought Freddy <laughs> Krueger back? In this case, it's just a finger being cut off. By accident. By accident. Um, I what I was surprised by straight to video was the fact that the school band were playing La Bamba. Yeah. Which I was like surprised they could afford the rights to. Hours <laughs> after the gymnasium opening, largely average student Alexander Gray, who dreams of going to medical school, Ooh. leaves a date with his girlfriend Sarah Monroe to get his textbooks from school to study for an upcoming test. Having been told by snarky guidance counsellor Miss Richards that his grades mean he will never reach medical school and he'll be left to do little more than menial labour. She says, not all of us can be doctors, Alex. The world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> she is giving me Mink Stole. <laughs> this is a, a big compliment for her. <laughs> She's giving me Mink Stole in Pink Flamingos. <laughs> Sandy Sandstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you not agree? I'm sure they... Could have actually got Mink Stole for this. Oh. So she, would loved, she, she would have loved to have played She would have like loved this. to have played this role. <laughs> Miss Sandy Sandstone. Uh, Alex is very average. He is? He, he hasn't got abs. He's also not large. He's just average. His, his looks are average. Which is he, why... His uh, dress code is average. Which is why he gets away with murder. Because yeah. <laughs> he's an average white man in America. He is. Um, yeah. He... Yeah. He, um... He's weighed... He's, no, he hasn't. He's measured himself. And he's measured his shoe size. And it is the perfect average for everyone. His yeah. grades are perfectly average. And he's... Where he isn't average is how bad of a boyfriend he is. Yeah. Because he forgets their anniversary, mm-hmm. takes her for a drive through dinner in the car with candles for some reason, which is highly dangerous in a car, and just talks to her about his own problems. Yeah, he's a massive narcissist. The whole time, his own problems. Yeah, he's not likable at all. He does not deserve Mary Lou. No. But he doesn't deserve Sarah. He doesn't know. He doesn't deserve anyone. No. But whilst he's at the school, 
He's approached by Mary Lou, and the two ultimately have sex on an American flag in a hallway, to which he says, I must be dreaming. And she says, dream on. <laughs> Adulterer. He's also a cheat. He is. This guy is a fucking prize prick. He's a literal flag shagger as well. He's a flag shagger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think anyone's done that with the Union Jack? Of course they have. Of course they have. And they're absolutely Tories. No, they probably have a Union Jack. If you know what I mean. Yeah, thank you. Um, There's a lot of ghost sex in this film. <laughs> this is definitely... <laughs> ghost sex? I mean, Mary Lou's a ghost. No, she's back from hell. Yeah, she's a ghost. Would you call her a ghost? Yeah, she can, like, do Freddy Krueger type things. Was Freddy Krueger a ghost? Technically. Really? I mean, yeah. I thought he was a demon. Same thing. He was a dream demon. Was he a dream demon? He's a dream demon, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not the answer. Um, waking up... Oh, is that the 3D bit? <laughs> it end is. Of... Yeah. Okay. Alex runs around a school in nothing but the flag... It's a great hilarity. He gets called the F-slur in the bathroom. He redresses. Calls he doesn't, his... does he? He does. Did I miss that? Yeah. I know it sounds like flag, but it wasn't flag. That was sad. The, the bully guy. Nice. No, he says nice flag, doesn't he? It doesn't. Oh. I mean, I'm certain he said the other. Oh, he could have. Oh, dear. Oh, okay. Or maybe he did say flag. Who knows? But it wouldn't be out of place. It wouldn't be out. Of, it definitely would be. If, if Laura Dern's saying it around this time, then you know. But the I don't know. I mean, Ron Oliver did uh, make this, and he made the second one. And he also made the Housewives of the North Pole. So who knows? Oh, he might be uh, one of us on your team. Our team. <laughs> uh, he redresses. He calls his parents, and they have like weird comedic voices on the other end of the phone. This is where this film doesn't work so well for me. A lot of the intentional comedy isn't actually funny. It feels a little forced. It's almost Nickelodeon yeah. in its comedy, which does feel really out of place. So it it's the, you know, old school... Yeah. ...where someone's being told off on the phone. But, I mean, that's giving, you know, Drake and Josh uh-huh. energy, which isn't really in keeping with the kind of humour that we were seeing in part two. No. Um, and it's kind of right throughout, that, that yeah. style of humour. Throughout the day, Mary Lou appears to him, both during his biology test and during a football game, which Mary Lou helps Alex win, much to the anger of Alex's rival, Andrew Douglas. Yeah. Um, Mary Lou serving... In oh, she is. A shiny blue gown with matching long gloves. She gets the same sultry jazz soundtrack that Audrey Horn gets in mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. She looks like Hordry. Uh, Excuse me. I do apologise. Audrey Horn. Yeah. And uh, very, very, I mean, her face looks very similar to Sherilyn Fenn. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the one. Um, yeah, she's absolutely serving. Don't understand how she helps him win the football game, though. No. Because she just kind of gives him positive affirmations. Uh-huh. So it's just like, you can do it, Bruce. And yeah. he wins the game. <laughs> I mean, worked at eight for Brady. <laughs> yeah, but she's, not, she's no Lily Tomlin, well. you know? <laughs> uh, Mr. Walker is marking Alex's papers and giving him an F when Mary Lou appears with an ice cream stall in his classroom. And she says... 
Is it tasty and hard and firm or just melts in your mouth? And proceeds to stab him in the hands with two ice cream cones and kills him. Yes. <laughs> uh, with an electric mixer as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And uh, Alex discovers his body made to look like a banana split. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going even one step further than Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, I did. I just feel a bit like, okay, the, the guy is on the larger side. And so, of course, you're going to kill him with ice cream. Anything like that. Oh, okay. Very, very 80s. Well, yeah. Uh, late 80s, early 90s joke. Yeah. I mean, it makes for a great scene. Oh, like, of course it does. Of course it does. That's what, you know, but I just thought, oh, okay. You know, had to involve food and mm-hmm. he just couldn't resist the ice cream. Mary Lou tells Alex who she is and uh, yeah, she shows him the corpse and uh, she turns into a little light and goes inside Alex. He hides uh, Mr. Walker's corpse in a cupboard. With Mary Lou's help, his grades skyrocket and he makes the honour roll and becomes a football star. Though a secret romance with Mary Lou also strains his relationship with Sarah. Yeah, he buries the science teacher's body... As Mary Lou performs striptease at the wi- at a window in full nurse uniform. Yeah. And they have sex in the science lab as uh, the, the climax happens. Uh-huh. And Mary Lou says, doctor's in. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll also get it on The Last Kiss Will Be Mine by Yvonne Murray's playing. Oh, The Last Kiss. Wow, that totally makes sense. Wow, incredible. And the table's like lit up red. As well, underneath them. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it looked really good. Yeah, no, it does actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have in my notes. Look at those nails. That's not a manicure. That's a massacre. Yes. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> after all this, Mary Lou burns Miss Richards to death with she battery does. acid. After the counselor becomes suspicious of Alex's grades, and yes, that's when. Uh, she pretends to, like, have a beauty shop in the school. She does. <laughs> and then she looks at her nails and says, look at those nails. That's not a <laughs> manicure. That's a massacre. And then puts her in one of the hair drying unit things. And it's battery acid. And it melts her. Yeah. Turns her into refried beans. It does. It does look like refried beans. That is very true. Uh, Alex, after having received a motorcycle and leather jacket from his parents as gifts for his achievements in school, buries Miss Richards' body in the football field. And uh, <laughs> Mary Lou justifies her killing by saying, Alex, it wasn't a person. It was a guidance counsellor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex is kind of like, oh, well, you shouldn't really be going around killing people, but doesn't really assert himself too much no. to actually stop it all. He tells her he wants average back, and she says, you want average, Alex? Call Sandra D." Yeah. And they... Uh, <laughs> That's a reference. <laughs> and they have sex again. <laughs> they do. Um, around this time, Alex's dad talks to him about women after suspecting that Alex is cheating on Sarah. He, uh, his dad assures him that he won't tell anyone and then warns him to be careful as there are some real man-eaters out there. <laughs> and he's like, you're a sexist prick. Yeah. Like, come on, mate. Yeah. You know, you're not going to tell anyone. You're not going to tell him off for cheating mm-hmm. and then warn him that women are the, you know, the man-eaters. Uh-huh. And he's having his, you know, way with someone else behind yeah. Sarah's back. 
Yeah. After uh, disposing of Richards, Alex is confronted by Andrew, who had earlier kicked him off the football team, and the two get into a fight, which ends with Mary Lou dressed in full football gear. Yes. And killing Andrew by impaling him to the football goalpost by hurling a football, which changes into a spinning drill in mid-flight at him. This yeah? Amazing. That's a lot, but it's it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just so good. I I love these over the top death scenes that haven't been butchered by the MPAA. That's true. Yeah, this is a comedy. You can get away with it. It's yeah, because it's. It, I suppose it's a bit like Sleepaway Camp, though, isn't it? Mm. Where comedy allows sort of over the top kills, but Sleepaway Camp Three was completely decimated by the MPAA, wasn't it? Yeah. Growing tired of Mary Lou's murders and her obsession over him, Alex tries to break things off with Mary Lou, which enrages the ghost. And oh, she's a ghost. And he says, yeah. women. We, yeah, women. That's really women, isn't it? Trying to get on with his life after dumping Mary Lou, Alex tries to patch things up with Sarah by asking her to the prom, uh, inaugurating the new gym, only to learn she's been asked to go with nerdy Leonard Walsh. <gasps> oh, Leonard Walsh. Is it Welsh or Welsh? Welsh. Oh, Leonard Welsh. Let me try that again. Pretend that never happened. Leonard Welsh? Oh. Yeah, the students are surprised that Sarah would want to go to the prom with a conventionally attractive Leonard (laughs) because he wears glasses and maybe puts a little much too much much product in his hair. Yeah. And he likes to be on time for things. Mm -hmm. But, spoiler alert, there is a moment where he takes off his glasses and he is conventionally uh, attractive. Of course, of course. At sex education class, the camp teacher shows a video about social disease. The woman in the video turns into Mary Lou and tells Alex he belongs to her and she wants him back, forcing him to shut off the video and run out of class. Mary Lou, being the innocent girl who becomes corrupted <laughs> and dies from a sexually transmitted disease, high camp. Uh-huh. That is high camp. Leonard takes Sarah out for dinner and tells her all about his schedule he has planned out for prom night. And at this point, it's like, okay, maybe he is a bit much. I mean, he's written all this down. Yeah, okay. It's, you know, it's not a surprise to Sarah. I mean, he's an improvement. They've been been good pals for a while. Yeah, he's an improvement on uh, Alex. Yeah. Still a bit much. Well, better than... Average at everything. Yes. If he's less average at some things, but highly average, higher than average on others. Uh huh. I, I don't know. I just feel sorry for him. Finding himself stopped by Mary Lou, Alex has his best friend Shane Taylor everything, and there's a little something something going on here. There's a lot of something something going on. Shane offers for the two of them to run away together. Yes. Whilst they're having a conversation, Alex falls asleep. And Shane tucks him in. There is... Yeah. It's 1990, so they couldn't outright say it, but Shane is absolutely 100% gay. I feel... Well, I feel like Shane has a thing for Alex. Yeah. Um, You know, more than just best friends. Yeah, and it comes back a little later on as well. Yes. Um, Mary Lou isn't best pleased with this. She's not. And she pretends to be Alex's sister in a strapless dress mm-hmm. to get into Shane's home. Um, she tries to have a little flirt on the couch and then gives up and just rips his heart out. Yeah. Literally. She says, 
you have a big heart. Want to see it? Yeah. <laughs> and rips it out. <laughs> uh, Shane's death is then blamed on Alex, who Shane's parents see fleeing from their house with blood on his hands. <laughs> Tracked down to his house, Alex is arrested and put in jail. Um, Sarah's getting ready for prom. She is. And Sarah's mother is very flippant about the whole thing. And uh, forces her to go to the prom, <laughs> despite her reservations, considering her boyfriend has just been arrested for murder of his yeah. best friend. <laughs> She's like, no, you're going. You're going with uh, <laughs> you're going with this geek, okay? Um, when he's in prison, Mary Lou shows up in yet another sleigh outfit in prison. Yes. Uh, she's a yassified prison guard now. And after Alex rejects her once more, she leaves to kill Sarah, electrocuting a pair of officers and leaving behind the keys to Alex's cell, which Alex uses to escape. Yeah, so Alex races to the prom and he forces Officer Larry, who's played by Brock Simpson. And we haven't mentioned this so far. No, I was saving this big moment for the fourth film. Oh, okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'll leave you in suspense. Keep listening, listeners. Um, so he forces Officer Larry to drive him there at gunpoint. Sarah is attacked by Mary Lou, who had just killed Leonard by wrapping him in magnetic tape. Yeah. Um, who's playing at the uh, prom, Gary? Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. <laughs> um, There's a Guns N' Roses rip-off band playing, and the lead singer absolutely thinks he's Axl Rose. But a really bored Axl yeah. Rose. And they performing a song called Bump and Grind. Bump and grind. And then they do Welcome to the Jungle. No, no. Whilst he does cart, one-handed cartwheels. Oh, only. oh is that someone else? Sorry. Um, yeah, he does look really bored, though. He does. He does. He just kind of look like he wants to be anywhere but this prop. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Reaching the... It's alright, uh, son. Do you like the song? It's alright. It's alright. Yeah. Reaching the gymnasium as Mary Lou is about to kill Sarah on stage, Alex willingly goes to hell with Mary Lou making her promise that if he goes with her, she will leave everyone else alone. And he says, I'm ready to come with you. And she says, it's not who you come with, it's who you take home. Yeah, she said the line. She said the line. Oh, I forgot to mention earlier, when Sarah meets Mary Lou for the first time, mm. she says, who are you? And Mary Lou <laughs> says, I'm the other woman. <laughs> As Mary Lou and Alex descend into the ground, Sarah follows them, jumping into the portal before it closes. Sarah, you are stupid. Yeah. Why would you do that? Um, and because she does, we, we huh. get to go to hell again. We do. Kind, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's just the school. It is the school. Made to look dingy. Um, after fighting off zombified versions of Shane, Leonard and Andrew in a nightmarish version of Hamilton High with a makeshift flamethrower, Sarah tracks Alex down to Hal's equivalent of Hamilton High's gym. Now, the Shane fight scene... Oh, it comes back... No, this is another fight scene with Shane, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. this is the one with Sarah. Yeah. So this is when he says, best friends are forever, but girlfriends, they come and go. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, Shane, you want a bit of Alex? We get it. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's also attacked by a razor vinyl shooting jukebox. Uh And the zombie prom guests are... They give him Michael Jackson's thriller. They are. They are, which is really cool. It's super cool. 
she sees Mary Lou about to kill Alex so he could be her prom king for all eternity. But she interrupts and after a brief fight with Mary, manages to blow up Mary Lou by using her flamethrower as a bomb and shoving it in between her tits. Yeah. Uh, to which she says, and her tagline, which you haven't mentioned yet, when she gets annoyed, she bakes cakes. Oh, she does. So yes. she says, I don't get mad, I bake. Yeah. It's not quite as slay as anything Mary Lou has said. But then she does say, eat this prom queen, <laughs> which is a bit, that is, that is a slay. That yeah. is a slay. And a play on the fact that as a woman, she bakes when she's stressed. <laughs> Alex and Sarah make their way to uh, a garage in the school after Shane fights Sarah so you can have Alex back. Now, again, this is very gay of Shane. Um, like, he is, he's just like, he, he might as well say, hands off my man, bitch. Yeah, pretty much. But he is proper fighting her for Alex. Yes. Uh, when they reach the garage, they hotwire a car. Upon seeing a charred Mary Lou in the way, Alex drives into her and they disappear, reappearing on a street no longer in hell. They think it's all over. Alex and Sarah drive to a diner to contact their parents. However, Mary Lou reappears as well and drives her arm through Sarah, killing her. Whilst Alex oh, tries to get others... That is the end of Freddy's Revenge. That is the it's end of Freddy's Revenge. all over. Yeah. Oh, shit. Alex tries to get others around him to help, uh, but he realises he's in the 1950s where everyone around him apparently cannot see or hear him. Losing the last of his sanity, he admits defeat to Mary Lou and is left laughing hysterically. So, not even a happy ending. No, I mean, not depends how you look ending. at it because he got what he deserved. Uh, he did get what he deserved. Sarah made some terrible choices and ultimately got what she deserved. Yeah. Um... And Mary Lou was the victor. And do you know what? She Good deserved to be the victor. Yeah. I was on her side throughout. Because everyone suffers and dies because Alex couldn't keep it in his hands. Yes. Yeah. And that is, you know, why you stay a virgin until you get married. Oh, shut the fuck up. That is Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. And you know what? I like it. I didn't like it when I first watched it. Um, but this time around, I really enjoyed it. It's... Not as good as the first two. Uh, the humour doesn't always work, but it's still such a fun time. Still really camp and just, I mean, very ambitious for what it's going for on what I seem to be a low budget. Yeah, it was silly. It was fun. I liked the character of Mary Lou. Um, there were some fun kills and horror moments in it too. And, you know, it... it it didn't promise to be this grand epic, and it, you mm. know, it wasn't. It was just a really fun time. And that's all I can ask for Yeah. with a film called Prom Night 3, Last, Last Kiss. <laughs> for ratings, I'd give it six flag shags out of ten. <laughs> I gave it six times Sarah should have sent that prick packing out it's of true. ten. Must be trash to be trash or basic. Um, again, not really any of the above, just the... Camp old time. Yeah, maybe that's maybe we should have a category camp old camp time. old time. Camp has kids. Uh, it's available on video on demand and also freebie. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out a Nightmare on Elm Street, specifically parts four and five. Um, if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Student Bodies. Yeah, which choice. is uh, another pretty goofy slasher that's a clearer parody yeah. of slasher. That brings us to our final film. And we saved the worst till last. Yeah, we really have. 
It's Prom Night 4, Deliver Us From Evil, from 1991. We need delivering from something. Yeah. <laughs> Directed by Clay Boris, who did Alligator Shoes, The Pawn, Quiet Call, Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. Really? Uh-huh. Nightman, Highlander, Nancy Drew, and more. And second unit director on Wrong Turn, Relic Hunter, and No Contest 2. Oh, no, Next Mutation's a TV series, isn't it? Yeah. I was thinking it was, um... Remember that awful Christmas one we watched? It might be related to that in some way. I don't know. Written by Richard Beatty, who wrote Cold Comfort, True Justice, Almost Heaven, Killing Salazar, Shark Killer, The Baby Formula, The Highwayman, Blindside, and more. Okay, yeah. And... Uh, made on an unknown budget, and I don't know how much it made because it's a straight to video, and it will where it deserved to be. It's straight to hell, I think, is where it deserved to be. I don't understand the direction of this film. No. At all. Like, no. you've got a solid formula now. I want to go with Mary Lou as well. Yeah. Great character. Bring her back. She's still, you know, still going at the end of the last film. Great place to start a sequel. But somehow we get this. And what I don't understand is that the poster, there is a woman who looks like Mary Lou. Mm. So I don't, I don't, they, I feel like they're trying to market it as a Mary Lou film, yeah. but completely left field, yeah. completely out there. I mean, spoiler alert, it doesn't even take place at a prom. No. You know, it has none of the characters. It's the same school. Yep, same school. And the original incident happens on the same night, but there's no mention of Mary Lou or anything no. like that. It's nothing of the sort. This is not a Prom Night sequel. No. It's But it's also not a sequel to Prom Night 2 and 3. No. Uh, so let's talk about the cast. Yes, in a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Uh, we have Nicole... But you're not Mary Lou. Nicole DeBoer uh, plays Megan. Uh, she was in Cube, oh. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Ooh. The Dead Zone, oh. Cradle of Lies, Ooh. Corrupt, Yay. Suck, <gasps> Christmas Town, Ooh. Ties That Bind, Phil the Alien, and more. Phil the Alien yeah. looks awful. Of course. <laughs> it's a film called Phil the Alien. Of course it is. I feel like these are very Canadian actors and actresses yeah. in all of these films so i feel like these the the majority of the films that we're, we're looking at with these are canadian yeah and so kind of like didn't translate the uk no i just you know a lot of like they're really out there i don't i don't really get it <laughs> but also it's a b-grade slasher film so that's probably why i don't know anymore. yeah that is true again this is what we do when we assume that because we are fans of something uh, of a genre then uh, obviously everyone knows about these slasher icons yeah. and these slasher films everyone knows about them and then you look at letterbox and they've had like 50 reviews and it's like mm-hmm. okay okay jh <laughs> wyman plays mark he was in street legal counter-strike the Trial of Red Riding Hood, The Club, Highlander, Sirens, Catwalk, and more. And he's also the producer of Fringe, Almost Human, Debris, The Mexican, and more. Wow. It was the writer for The Mexican, wasn't he? Maybe. The um the Brad Pitt 
Julia Roberts film. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Joy Tanner as Laura. She was in House at the End of the Street, Goosebumps, Regenesis, Lock and Key, Christmas Next Door, Christmas Encore, American <laughs> Is Skins. That a song? <laughs> Uh, American Skins, Relic Hunter, and more. Okay. Let me tell you now, no one in this film does a good job, by the way. Hardcore Christmas Encore. <laughs> Hardcore Christmas Next Door. I mean, if you'd said Christmas Encore, you know the score, then you'd have been right. It's uh... not hardcore. I told you so many times. No, it's, didn't. No. Can I get an Encore? Do you want more? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I told oh. you this. <laughs> It's hardcore. And no one knows what we're on about. We're on about Jay Z and Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, yes. The song was actually called Encore. Um, no, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> well, the album was one of the two. I had no idea. Um, and finally, Brock Simpson plays Father Colin. You'll know him from both of the films we just discussed and the first Prom Night film. He was in all, the only person to be in all four. Yes, in small roles. Yeah. He was one of the kids in the original that pushed her out mm-hmm. the window. Um, but yeah, there you go. He... Yeah. He's also in Fancy Dancing, Bullies, Black Heart, Liar's Edge, Grizzly Falls, and more. So, let's discuss our final feature presentation. church where psychotic religious fanatic father jonas is asking god for permission to save the slits and the whores so he can send them to him yeah pretty much um it's very very heavy Mm -hmm. this part of the film yeah and this part of the story and it does not need to be it really does not need to be at all there was a slight bit of religion in the second film Mm -hmm. um but this is highly unnecessary yeah highly unnecessary yeah i I don't know what trend this was jumping on um no but yeah hamilton high's 1957 prom uh students lisa and brad leave the festivities to have sex in brad's car and uh he says who did you come with and she says it's not who you come with who you take home. Ooh. Before the two can undress, they're distracted by a noise. Revealed to be someone putting unattended candles on the hood of the car. <laughs> they're unattended because he's going around the corner of the car to uh, slash Lisa's throat with a metal crucifix. Yeah, which is kind of gory, actually. Yeah, and it's Father Jonas. Surprisingly, it yeah. is Father Jonas. He then stabs Brad in the chest before igniting the car in flames and saying, Join your slut. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's high gore and the, what the only good thing about this film is the kills. Like, yeah. They're consistently gory. Kind, yeah, effects. kind of. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. But th- there's not that many of them. After committing this double homicide, in a bizarre series of events, Father Jonas reveals 
He had suffered sexual abuse from priests in the church and displayed stigmata before forcing a kiss on Father Jaeger. This is, again, very, very heavy yeah. for Prom Night 4. Mm-hmm. Um, why? It feels really cheap. Yeah. You know, and it feels... I mean, it's obviously an issue within the Catholic Church. We all know that. Yeah. But, you know, as a throwaway thing in mm-hmm. Prom Night 4, it's... Yeah, it's very much that thing uh, again, baffling. you know. That, that very dated thing now of because someone was sexually abused, it makes them, you know, go around killing Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Uh, he's transported from St. Basil's Seminary to the St. George Church by a group of fellow priests led by Father Jaeger, who refers to the rambling Father Jonas as an abomination and believes him possessed by dark forces. Well, that's one way to cover it up, isn't it? <laughs> um, Father Jaeger bomb? Father Jaeger bomb. <laughs> Sorry, I'd lighten the mood after a very heavy start of this. Slasher film. Well, I mean, that's gone immediately when we get to 1991 yes. and we swap heavy for boring. Yeah. Uh, when we go to St. George Church again, young Father Colin is informed by the now elderly Father Jaeger that his trip to Africa for missionary work has been put off and that has been that he has been ordered by the church with to be watching over Father Jonas, who now has a huge cheap fake beard and has been held captive in the church basement for 30 years in a drug-induced stupor. Uh, that wig and fake beard is giving <laughs> one of the shepherds in a shit school nativity it, it play. Is. It is. It's not a good look, honey. <laughs> Shortly after showing Colin the catatonic Jonas, Jaeger passes away, officially leaving Colin as Jonas's new guardian. Um, we get a scene at school where two girls are being told off. Well, no, a guy and a girl. Was it a guy and a girl? Yeah. Well, it was the two... Oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's yeah. our... Our leads. Well, no, it's no, not it's our not. leads. It's our throwaway teens that have sex that can be killed. It's Jeff and Laura. Yeah, so... And they're getting into trouble with the nun teacher at school for shagging on school property. She doesn't want to say what it is, though. She's like, you were, you were, you were... And, uh, and uh, what's her name? Laura. She's like... We were fucking sister. <laughs> They're giving Rod and Tina from a nightmare on Elm Street. She has the Tina slash Madonna blonde uh-huh. haircut. Uh, believing he can help Jonas, Colin neglects drugging him and shaves his beard, and uh, which is an act that allows Jonas to regain consciousness. Apparently, Father Jonas escapes. Yeah, not drugging him allows him not yeah, shaving well, the beard. I mean. <laughs> Who knows? It's the not They're both happening at the same time, so... <laughs> Father Jonas escapes, killing Colin before fleeing to St. Basil's Seminary. Uh, we get another lesbian scene in the franchise. Kind of. We kind of do, yes. Between Megan and Laura. Uh, Laura reveals she fancies Megan and starts uh, feeling her shoulder. Uh, and then she reveals that it was just an experiment because she read it in a teen magazine... Uh, that that's a way to figure out if your best friend's gay. Yeah, in a woman's magazine. Well, I thought it was a teen Yeah, magazine. yeah. So we're introduced to two young couples. So it's Mark and his girlfriend, Megan. And then the previously mentioned mischievous Laura and her boyfriend, Jeff. And they're getting ready to go to their prom at Mark's massive house. 
Uh, Mark's younger brother, Jonathan, acts the peeping Tom, watching his brother and Megan getting frisky on the sofa. Yeah. Megan is a good girl, though, giving off Nancy Thompson energy. Mm -hmm. So she, of course, doesn't go all the way on the sofa. Um, Then, as Gary mentioned, completely out of nowhere, Laura jokingly tries it on with Megan whilst they're both in lingerie. Yeah. Um, They then decide not to partake in the prom, instead going to St. Basil's Seminary. Jeff moons the students as they pass in a limousine. Yeah. Um, They also (laughs) do a toast. So this does... So we don't see any of the prom. No. In this film. No. Prom night four, we don't see any of the prom whatsoever. We see a group of students outside, Mm -hmm. but our story takes place... In a fucking seminary. Yeah. I feel like this is an attempt at some self-aware humour because after they drive away from the prom, yeah, the teens do a toast in the limo to prom night and to Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Six years before Scream. But I also think it's to cut costs. Of course. I think it's to cut costs. Yeah. You know, this... Film's clearly been made on the very cheap, mm-hmm. and it shows. And it's no excuse. Yeah, you know, if if you can't afford to set prom night four at a fucking prom, then you shouldn't be making the goddamn no. film in the first place. Um. Yeah, and I bet they get away. I bet they're like, oh well. I mean, technically, it is prom night. Mm. Um. Discovering Colin's death and Jonas's escape, Cardinal Turin. Stages Colin's murder to appear as a suicide before going off in search of Jonas. Yeah, so I've got a few questions mm-hmm. here. How is keeping him drugged somehow less sinful than just killing him? I know, yeah. Um, clearly no one missed him over the last 30 no, years. No, just kill him. So just kill him. Yeah. Like, if you got caught, you're going to prison yeah. either way. So, like, in the eyes of God, it's better to keep someone drugged. Mm-hmm. Um, also... After Colin shaves him, he miraculously takes 30 years off of him. He does, yeah. Because That's being in a catatonic state has stopped the ageing process. Yeah. He just, yeah. This man should be, what, in his 50s? Uh-huh. Really? I mean, he was fairly old when he was going around killing people. Yeah, and he hasn't aged a single minute no. over 30 years. It's incredible. And it's that cheap shit that really pisses me yeah. off. Because it's just... It's lazy filmmaking, in in my uh-huh. opinion. It's lazy filmmaking because it does take you out when you realise, like, okay, why does this dude, over the last 30 years, not age? Mm-hmm. Why does he look exactly the same? You know, it's stupid. They hitches a ride, and we get some amazing dialogue here, where the guy he hitches a ride with says, I'm going to get me some pussy. I like to get laid on a Friday night, you know? Leaving the rest of the week open. Jesus, I love Fridays. To which Father Jonas says, not Jesus. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. At the St. Basil Seminary, which has long since been abandoned and converted into a summer home, the couples uh, go and stay there because Mark, uh, he's the son of the owner of the place now. Yeah, his, yeah. Da- his dad owns it. He's converted it into a summer home. Yeah. Um, so they're celebrating their graduation and their prom or whatever separately to everyone else. 
But when they get there, they find that most of the electronics and appliances in the house have been stolen. Yeah, to which point you immediately say, okay, fuck this. I'll call the police for starters. Yeah. And then second, I'm going home. I'm not staying where somewhere she's been broken into. So the idea is that they're not meant to be at the summer house. Mm -hmm. Um, So they would get into trouble if they raise the alarm on the things being stolen. What confuses me is that no one's at Mark's actual home anyway, where they were getting ready for prom. No. So I don't really understand, because if they're They couldn't afford the extra cast members. Yeah. (laughs) But if they're staying out all night, Mm -hmm. then they're going to get into trouble anyway. Yeah. Seemingly, they're not meant to be out all night, Uh because no one knows they're at the summer house. No. So they may as well have just stayed at Mark's house. Yeah, I I didn't really get it. Yeah. Okay, whatever. It is what it is. Megan, being the good girl, decides to conform to uh, gender roles and tries to cook dinner yeah. with the little ingredients available. <laughs> Laura thinks cooking for Jeff makes her feel like they're married. And Megan, because she's a good girl, doesn't have a problem with feeling like she's married and looking yeah. after her man. Yeah. Um, deciding, they decides to just stay in pie. Yeah. The group is stalked by Jonas. After injuring herself in the wine cellar, Megan receives an obscene phone call from Jonas whilst Mark is away, uh, getting the first aid kit to tend to her wounds. Now, <clears throat> for me, this feels like it's trying to rip off Black Christmas. The phone calls. Yes. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's just trying to rip it off. It's nowhere near as good. Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> on the phone, he goes, <coughs> I know who you are. I saw what you did. You're a cocksucker and a fucking whore. <laughs> um, my question is, how did you... And what? And what? Yeah. Yeah. And what? Big deal. That was Mary Lou. She's like, and what, bitch? I'm proud of it. Um, <laughs> Do you want some? <laughs> just jealous. Um, how did he get the phone number, by the way? I know, yeah. <laughs> like, just yellow pages. Yellow pages. <laughs> he's been comatose for 30 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now he's come out and he's using the phone. Yeah, no, knows no problem. He knows how to. He use knows the phone. the phone number. He knows exactly how to get back to the seminary, seminary, or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, he hasn't aged a single bit. He might as well have just been cryogenically yeah. frozen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we'll also find out that you know something else has happened whilst he's been mm-hmm. a comatose for thirty years. Jonas acquires his old metal crucifix and uses it to kill Mark's younger brother, Jonathan, who followed the group to the house and was spying on and filming Jeff and Laura having sex. Yes. He had it well, coming. He, he had um, binoculars, didn't he? I don't think oh, he I thought it was film. a camera. He was, no, it was what, he had binoculars. So we have a very mild, candlelit sex scene between Laura and Jeff as uh, Jonathan the pervert watches through the window with his binoculars and then Jonas kills him. Um, at least he wasn't spying on his own brother this time. Well, yeah, it makes a change. Which is good. Um, then Jonas enters the house through his old lair and kills Laura right after she gets a shower. Yeah. And I have to say, even the nudity is boring in this film. It's just, it's, it just, it's like, okay, it's there. It's just a shower scene. But that's the thing, you know, the... Obviously, we mentioned the sleigh that is um, Vicky when she's nude in part two. And then, you know, even like the sex scenes in part three, you're kind of taken aback. You're like, oh my God, wow, this is a lot for a uh, throwaway slasher film. Um, but then this one is just like, yeah, just nothing to them. It, this feels to me more gratuitous in the mm. fact that it, it it is just 
you know, there's two scenes when they're in their lingerie and then the fake out yeah. sort of lesbian nature to it. And then you have her just in the shower. And th- this is the kind of nudity that annoys me with special yeah. films because it doesn't add anything to the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, admittedly, it was gratuitous in part two with Vicky, but it kind of, it was in keeping with the character to a certain degree. Yeah. In the sense of Mary Lou being a very liberated mm-hmm. woman and, yeah. you know, um, a ghost or a demon or, or whatever. Yeah. Who wouldn't care about such things, you know? And it, it, it in this, it's just like, okay, you know, right. Yeah. Okay, she's in the shower. We get it. Yeah. Um, whilst looking for the miss, now missing Laura, Mark and Megan find Jonas's lair whilst Jeff searches the attic. Finding what looks like Laura, Jeff approaches the figure only to find it's Jonas wearing Laura's scalp. Right. Jonas proceeds to kill Jeff by crushing the boy's skull with his bare hands whilst he prays. So he's superhuman. So he's superhuman. So after being comatose for 30 (laughs) years and seemingly completely physically inactive Uh for that whole time, Jonas now has super strength. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I'll have what he's having. Also, the whole wearing her scalp thing, again, it just feels like... Have you got any sort of originality yeah. in this film whatsoever? It, yeah. It wasn't even... It, yeah, it just was what it was. Going outside to look around, Mark and Megan rush back inside when they find where they find Laura and Jeff's bodies crucified and ablaze. As Megan... So, that search... To find the bodies, mind-numbingly dull. So much of the film's mind-numbingly We've dull, We're like... cutting a lot yeah. of, you know, there's scenes where it's a fake-out point of view, mm-hmm. watching people, yeah. this whole thing where they're searching and then suddenly out of nowhere, they're crucified and ablaze. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In other films, it could have looked pretty cool or, or been a cool surprise you know, a real gasp uh-huh. moment, and it, it wasn't, because no. what came before was so mind-numbingly dull. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Megan tries to call the police, Mark arms himself with a gun and has Megan flee outside when Jonas appears. Because she's a woman. Rushing to the roof of the house, Mark is stabbed in the foot through the roof by Jonas, causing him to fall to the ground below. Does he have x-ray vision now as well? <laughs> He's full slasher villain now. He's he like, you know, there's no stopping him. Jonas stabs Mark to death with a crucifix and then pursues Megan, who temporarily manages to incapacitate him by spraying him in the face with bug spray. So she she's comes into, into survival. her own. She's into survival. She's into survival. She shows that she shouldn't have been told to stay inside. Yes. And another question. Where did Jonas get the hairband to tie his hair back I know, into a yeah. ponytail? Because <laughs> he's got a ponytail now for some reason. Uh, outside, Megan arms herself with a gun marker dropped, gets bullets from inside, and after being phoned by the police, a call which is interrupted by Jonas, goes to the woodshed. Who's on the second line in the house? <laughs> so is that where we called from earlier? Yeah. And this is just a complete black Christmas. Yeah, the call's coming from inside the house. And, you know, how does... I just... <laughs> I just don't understand. You know, things have changed a lot over 30 mm-hmm. years, you know... How does he know about a second 
yeah. phone in the house uh-huh. and all that business and technology's changed a lot, you, you know, in those 30 years. Since yeah. 1957. He's also a priest in 1957. Mm-hmm. So he probably didn't even have a fucking phone. Yeah. After missing several times, Megan manages to shoot Jonas and, believing him dead, begins praying for forgiveness, only to be attacked mid-prayer by the still-living Jonas, who begins setting the barn on fire, uh, and, uh, yeah. So he uses an uh, aspergillum, I think that's how you pronounce it, which is one of those implements that they use in churches to sprinkle holy water, Uh but instead of holy water, it's... Um, I'm assuming Fire. some sort of petrol or fuel yeah. or something that's spraying around, which again in another film would have been a really cool visual, uh-huh. but it just bleh, in this one. Yeah, grabbing a shovel, Megan beats Jonas with it and rushes outside and locks the door, leaving Jonas to burn and subsequently be blown up when the shed explodes. In the morning, Megan is loaded into an ambulance while the charred and seemingly dead Jonas is placed in another which is manned by Cardinal Turin and his followers. Whilst in the back of the ambulance, Jonas opens his eyes, whilst elsewhere, Megan does the same simultaneously. So... What, are they, like, connected now? Psychically? What is this? Has he possessed her? Is she Mary Lou now? Well, that's thankfully, yeah. we never find out. No. We have been delivered from evil. That was deliver us from evil. Dull, 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 dull. I didn't mind this first time I watched it. I must have been in a good mood that day, but because this time this was fucking <sighs> so boring. I must have been high or <sighs> drunk when we first watched this because I I gave it a higher. Obviously, I didn't give it five stars, but I give it a higher rating. Yeah. But watching it, you know, sometimes watching it for the podcast, yes, we do have a tendency to overanalyze. Mm-hmm. But throughout, I was like, what the fuck was I yeah. thinking? This is bottom of the barrel abysmal. It is. I just really, you know, I've said it time and time again. How many episodes are we in now? Like a million episodes of the podcast? You know, and I say it time and time again. The biggest, you know, thing that you can do to make me hate a film is to make it boring. Uh-huh. And I'm sure there was a better sentence for that. But the point still stands. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the thing is, I mean, the kills are great, and I think there's some good practical effects in yeah. here. But it's just everything else surrounding them. It's just fucking boring. Yeah, I just, it really, I, I switched off. I really did. I did switch off because it so tepid and dull. Yeah, really dull. I'm sorry. That's the only word I can think of it to is. describe it accurately. So, ratings, I give it two toasts to Jamie Lee Curtis out of ten. Yay. I give it one article about how to tell if your best friend is gay out of ten. <laughs> Masterpiece, trash, piece, trash, or basic. The easiest one of the episode, it's trash. Trash, trash. Trash. Uh, it's available on video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Hallinger. Because it's also trash, but it's also funny and entertaining. So <laughs> It's also about a killer priest. Ah, yes. Uh, if you enjoyed this, I suggest checking out Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Oh my god, it's very Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Another painfully dull yeah. slasher film sequel, but with a festive twist. Yeah. So getting to the awards. Uh, for this episode, the awards uh, are for across all four, all three films. So only one film will get the award, unless there's any ties. 
Yes. Uh, biggest queen, I mean, it's got to be Mary Lou. Sex positive bisexual bad bitch who just wants to turn Vicky into a good girl gone bad in part two. Yeah. And just coming back from the dead for some dick in part three. Yeah, she's she wants her revenge. She's a female slasher villain, yeah. which we love. Um, yeah, she's an angel without wings. Yeah. She's Mary Lou, and uh, she's my choice for biggest queen. Biggest gasp, uh, I have a tie. I have Billy shooting Vicky at the prom in Prom Night 2. Mm. And also Principal Weverell severing his own finger by accident in Prom Night 3. I completely agree with that one. I totally forgot. Um, I went with the full frontal nudity from mm. who was meant to be our final... Who was our final girl yeah. in, in Hello, Mary Lou. Uh-huh. Caught me by surprise. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was something a little... It was a good gasp. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, they're doing something a little different here. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Best dialogue? Of course I have. You shut your fucking mouth, bitch. Vicky in Prom Night 2. I really wanted to go for something different, but it had to be, you yeah. shut your fucking mouth, bitch. And that's camp. Uh, Mary Lou in all of her different disguises and costumes in Prom Night 3. <laughs> um, I just put all the prom outfits in Hello, Mary Lou. Yeah. Hi, camp. And if uh, you're a fan of these films, which one's your favourite? Let us know. We are Horrorcultural Shiver on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcultural on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram. And GazChris92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And give us a rate review and subscribe on iTunes. Like a follow on everything else. Give us a rate on Spotify. We have a triple threat coming up. Oh, excuse me. This Thursday... We will be appearing on the Unban and Rewound podcast discussing the trashy slasher film that is They Slash Them. Yes, we had a really fun time discussing They Slash Them. Yeah. And um, yeah, check it out to see yeah. what uh, we thought of it. Wherever, no spoilers. Yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, it's double episode week, on Not Tuesday... Again. It is. We will be discussing the life and films of Ray Dennis Steckler. Yes. You might a... be thinking, who the fuck is that? You might be. Listen to the episode. You might out. be. Listen, you might get some recommendations. Um, yeah. An interesting character, I feel. Yeah. Interesting films. Yeah. I think we're going to have a lot to say. Yeah. And then on Friday, we will be discussing both. The 1987 slasher film The Stepfather. Have you seen this slasher film? Uh, and the 2009 remake by the same name for our latest original versus remake episode. Oh, daddy. So we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back on the end of the hound. I, I assume that would sound better than it came to. <laughs> We'll be back on the Unbound and Rewound podcast on Thursday and also the same time, same place next week. Bye.